0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Tuesday, January 9th. Today we're discussing Gabriel Attal's rise to become France's youngest ever prime minister and the latest updates from the 2024 election campaign trail. Plus, we delve into Trump's court appearance in D.C. for immunity from the January 6th case and the surge in violent political threats as 2024 begins, haunting American democracy. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's politics station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. In a significant political shift, France has just appointed its youngest ever prime minister, Gabrielle Attal. Abby, our European politics expert, is here to discuss this development. Abby, what can you tell us about Gabrielle Attal?
1: Thanks, Michael. Gabrielle Attal, at just 31 years old, represents a new generation in French politics. He's part of President Emmanuel Macron's La République en Marche party and has been serving as the government spokesperson prior to his appointment as prime minister.
0: That's quite a rapid rise in the ranks. What do we know about his political stance or his approach to governance?
1: Well, Atal is known for his progressive stance on many issues. He's been a vocal advocate for LGBTQ plus rights and has also been involved in education reform. As a member of macron's party he's likely to continue the centrist pro-european policies that have characterized macron's presidency
0: interesting and how has his appointment been received domestically in france and
1: internationally the reaction has been mixed michael on one hand many see his appointment as a breath of fresh air a sign of generational change in french politics on the other hand critics argue that his lack of experience could be a drawback especially in handling the complex challenges France currently faces, such as the ongoing pandemic and economic recovery.
0: Certainly his youth and relative inexperience could be both an asset and a liability. What can we expect from Atal's tenure as prime minister? Any major policy shifts on the horizon?
1: It's too early to say definitively, Michael, but we can expect Atal to continue Macron's policies given their close political alignment. However... As the youngest prime minister in French history, Atal may bring a fresh perspective to these policies, and perhaps a new approach to tackling France's challenges.
0: Well, it will certainly be interesting to see how Atal's tenure unfolds. And as we approach the presidential primaries, the political landscape continues to buzz with activity. Let's bring in Abby, our political analyst, to help us understand the dynamics at play. Abby, could you start by explaining what a primary is and how it works?
1: Of course, Michael. A primary is essentially an election where members of a political party select their candidate for a general election. This process varies by state, with some conducting open primaries where any registered voter can participate, while others have closed primaries where only party members can vote.
0: Interesting. Now, who are the key players in the upcoming primaries?
1: Well, on the Democratic side, President Joe Biden is running for re-election. He does face some competition within his party, But none of these challengers have gained significant traction in the polls. On the Republican side, former President Donald Trump is leading in the polls, with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis as potential alternatives for those seeking a non-Trump candidate.
0: And when do these primaries take place?
1: The primary calendar kicks off with the Iowa caucuses on January 15th. Unlike traditional elections, these are events where party members gather to hear speeches and then vote for their preferred candidate. After Iowa, New Hampshire holds its primary on January 23rd. The Democrats, however, are not sanctioning this event and instead are focusing on South Carolina's primary on February 3rd. The calendar then spreads out from there.
0: This is a lot to digest. How do these primaries shape the presidential race?
1: Primaries play a crucial role in determining the presidential candidates for each party. They're also a test of a candidate's appeal among their party's base and their ability to mobilize supporters. The results can influence campaign strategies, donor support, and media coverage. So, while they're just the first step in the presidential election process, they can set the tone for the entire race.
0: That's a great point, Abby, underscoring the critical role of primaries in our democratic process. In a significant development, former President Donald Trump's lawyers have begun arguing that he cannot be prosecuted for his attempts to overturn the 2020 election, as these events occurred during his presidency. Abby, our legal correspondent, is here to help us understand the implications of this. Abby, what's the crux of Trump's defense?
1: Michael, Trump's defense is essentially arguing for presidential immunity. They're claiming that a president cannot be prosecuted for official acts unless Congress has impeached and convicted them for those acts. This is a contentious interpretation of the Constitution's impeachment judgment clause.
0: And how are the judges responding to this argument?
1: Well... The judges are pressing Trump's lawyers on several fronts. For instance, Judge Florence Pan asked if a president would be immune from prosecution if he ordered the military to assassinate a political rival. Trump's lawyer, John Sauer, maintained that a president's actions are not examinable by the courts.
0: That's a pretty bold claim. What's the counterargument from the prosecution?
1: Prosecutor James Pierce argued that Trump's interpretation of the impeachment judgment clause is incorrect, both textually and practically. He pointed out that under Trump's interpretation, a president could sell pardons or assassinate a political rival, and if acquitted in an impeachment trial, there would be no further accountability. Pierce called this interpretation both incorrect and scary.
0: What are the potential outcomes of this hearing?
1: If the judges rule in favor of Trump, it could lead to the dropping of the criminal charges brought by special counsel Jack Smith. However, if they rule against the former president, his lawyers may appeal the issue to the Supreme Court. It's also worth noting that Trump's lawyers are requesting that the case be remanded back to the lower district court for further examination of the indictment.
0: And what's the broader context here? How does this case fit into Trump's post-presidency narrative?
1: Trump has consistently claimed that he's been politically persecuted since leaving office. This case, therefore, plays into his narrative of being a victim of a politically motivated witch hunt. He's using the proceedings to bolster his claims ahead of the Iowa Republican caucuses, where he's expected to win.
0: It's a complex situation with far-reaching implications, and in a similarly disturbing trend, we're seeing government officials and public servants in the U.S. increasingly becoming targets of violent threats and intimidation. This issue, which has escalated since the 2020 election, is casting a shadow over the 2024 campaign. Abby, our correspondent, is here to discuss this matter in more depth. Abby, could you give us an overview of what's happening?
1: Certainly, Michael. The situation is indeed alarming. We've seen a range of officials, from members of Congress to local leaders and judges, receiving threats. These threats are not just verbal or written, but have also taken the form of swatting incidents, where prank calls are made to emergency services to draw a law enforcement response to a particular location. This has created a climate of fear and uncertainty among these officials.
0: And it's not just the officials themselves who are affected, right? Their families are also being targeted.
1: Indeed, Michael. In some cases, threats have been directed not just at the officials themselves, but also their family members. This has created a situation where these officials are constantly worried about the safety of their loved ones.
0: What's the impact of these threats on the functioning of democracy?
1: The impact is significant, Michael. The intimidation risks influencing decision-making, and officials who have been targeted say they fear that threats could tip over into physical violence at any time. This is already undermining the health of U.S. democracy. It's also worth noting that these threats are often not discouraged by their representatives in government. In fact, some have appeared at times to encourage and condone the behavior.
0: What are the authorities doing to address this issue?
1: Attorney General Merrick Garland has called the wave of threats against government workers and public servants a deeply disturbing spike. He said Justice Department officials had been working to combat such threats for years and were meeting to determine how they can double down on those efforts. However, it's clear that more needs to be done to ensure the safety of these officials and to protect the democratic process.
0: It's a deeply concerning situation. Thanks for shedding light on this, Abby.
1: Absolutely, Michael it's crucial that we continue to monitor this situation closely and hold those responsible accountable.
0: Indeed, Abby, the safety of our public servants and the integrity of our democracy are at stake. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. We appreciate you tuning into Current Radio, and we look forward to having you back here tomorrow.